Coming up on the Keto Camp Podcast, we have Dr. Andy Wakefield. It isn't anti-science, quite the opposite, quite the opposite. And what she reveals through the legal discovery is something no one had ever seen before. I hadn't seen it, I didn't know about it, and it's only when interviewing Mike Hugo, the lawyer, the plaintiff's lawyer in vaccine court, that I became aware of these extraordinary documents which reveal the true evil of the pharmaceutical companies, the lengths that they were prepared to go to to save a few bucks and sacrifice a lot of children. And it was fact, and if people don't believe this, then those documents that we obtain, those discovery documents are available on the website. I've put them on there for people to read themselves, and what they'll find is they're even worse than is portrayed in the film. I'm a certified functional health practitioner who's on a mission to educate 1 billion people. I've been obese for most of my life. From rock bottom to the top of the mountain, I am passionate about studying ancient healing strategies like fasting and the ketogenic diet and curating this information on the Keto Camp podcast. My goal is to bring you the thought leaders in this space. My name is Ben Azadi, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey Keto Camper, today's episode is a very important episode. Our health, future, and freedom literally depends on conversations like the one you are about to hear with Dr. Andy Wakefield. I encourage you to have an open mind here with this interview. This interview is not an anti-vax interview or a conversation at all. This is a pro freedom to choose and educate yourself and make a decision for what's best for you, your family, and your future family. On this interview with Dr. Wakefield, we talk about his film Vaxxed, which created a lot of controversy at the Tribeca Film Festival. In fact, it was banned and Robert De Niro actually spoke out about this because Robert De Niro's kid is autistic and was vaccine damaged. And this actually created a lot of buzz around the movie, which caused the Italians to protest right before they were about to mandate vaccinations in Italy. And it stopped that from happening. Amazing. We also get into the research of Bobby Kennedy, who speaks about the vaccine industry and how it went from being a $187 million industry when he was younger to a $50 billion industry per year. We talk about studies on vaccinations versus unvaxxed. We talk about the new film that Andy Wakefield just released called 1986 The Act. This film is going to pull out your heartstrings. It is such a well-researched and recorded and film out there for you to understand the research and the facts behind vaccinations. We get into the upcoming election and how this election is so important right now and our future really depends on America. America is the last domino here and what happens in America will dictate what happens for the rest of the world. So I encourage you to just have an open mind here and put away any previous judgments and opinions that you have on politics and vaccinations and just be open here to doing research on everything we speak about. We talk about facts and stats and research and not just opinion. So we'll get into that. Andy Wakefield is doing amazing work along with Bobby Kennedy Jr. and all these other freedom fighters out there like Dr. Buttar and Dr. Shiva who's been on the podcast and so many others out there. So we'll get into that on this episode. Before we dive in with Andy Wakefield, I want to encourage you to leave the podcast a rating and review on Apple Podcast. It really makes a big difference. Thank you if you've done so already. I want to take a second here to get to the Apple Podcast review of the day. This comes from Oh Yeah 2020. It's a five-star review titled So Amazing. 
Ben is so knowledgeable about everything intermittent fasting and keto. He has taken my fasting to the next level, and I look forward to listening to his new episodes. Thank you so much. I'm grateful that I have been able to help you take your fasting and keto to the next level. Our mission here at Keto Camp is to inspire and to educate 1 billion people. Today's episode is a sprinkle, right? We're not going to talk about keto. We're not going to talk about fasting. We're going to talk about something that is actually more important right now, which is our freedom, our liberty, and our future. (laughs) That's why this episode is one of those episodes you want to share with everybody you know. You want to listen to it. Watch the YouTube video of this interview with Andy Wakefield on the Keto Camp YouTube channel and share with everybody you know. And for sure, go watch the film 1986 The Act over at 1986theact.com. We'll put a link in the notes of this podcast. If you have not left the Keto Camp podcast a rating and review yet, please do so over at Apple Podcasts. And when you do so, take a screenshot of your review and email that to support at ketocamp.com. And what we're going to do is leave, uh, send you a free signed copy of my fasting book where I will sign it. We'll mail it out to you only in the United States. So put your shipping address in the United States, a screenshot of your review, your honest review, and we'll get that out to you. If you're struggling to find the right foods on your ketogenic lifestyle, I highly recommend you check out Catalan Fire's new lineup of keto soups. They are delicious, they live up to my high standards of quality ingredients, and they'll help you accelerate your ketogenic results. Visit kettleandfire.com slash ketocamp and use the coupon code ketocamp at checkout for a 15% off. That is kettleandfire.com slash ketocamp. Okay, let's get into this very important discussion with Dr. Andrew Wakefield. Dr. Andrew Wakefield is an academic gastroenterologist. He received his medical degree from St. Mary's Hospital Medical School, London, in 1981. He qualified as a fellow of the Royal College of Surgeons in 1985 and trained as a gastrointestinal surgeon with a particular interest in inflammatory bowel disease. He was well awarded a Wellcome Trust Traveling Fellowship to study small intestinal transplantation in Toronto. He was made a fellow of the Royal College of Pathologists in the UK in 2001. Wakefield has published over 140 original scientific papers, reviews, and book chapters. In 1995, an academic physician working in a London teaching hospital, he was contacted by the parent of an autistic child with stomach issues. He soon learned from several other patients with autistic behaviors that their children's regressive behavior immediately followed an MMR vaccine. Dr. Wakefield started investigating a possible role between gastrointestinal issues, the MMR vaccine, and neurological injury in children. In pursuit of this possible link, Dr. Wakefield participated in a study of 12 children with both stomach and developmental issues. The ensuing report, written with the 12 other authors, would catapult Wakefield into becoming one of the most controversial figures in the history of medicine. Andy Wakefield, welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast. Thank you so much. Great to be with you. It's great for, I'm grateful to be here with you today to talk about such an important film that we'll get into 1986, The Act. But before we do, I want to talk about your first film, which was Vaxxed, and um, something that happened at the Tribeca Film Festival that ended up being a blessing. So can you speak about that? Sure, yeah. No, I bet my first film was a film called Who Killed Alex Spodorakis? That was my entree into filmmaking, and Vaxxed was the second one, as you know, we teamed up with Dale Bigtree, which was wonderful, learned a great deal from Dale. But, um, yeah, we put it into Tribeca. We chose one film festival, and for us, the most prestigious film festival was Tribeca. And there was a personal interest there because Robert De Niro has got an autistic child, an autistic son, who uh, I met down in Austin when they were on a film shoot there. And, and uh, the first thing that his then wife said to me is that he was vaccine injured. Before she even said hello, she said, my son was injured by his MMR vaccine and he was perfectly fine before that. And so we felt that there would be a personal interest aspect to getting it into Tribeca and indeed it got accepted and that was great. We were very pleased, but almost immediately there was pushback. And 
the sponsors of the festival, particularly those involved with the pharmaceutical industry, told them not to screen this film. Now, that's a big call for an independent film festival. The censorship, you would imagine, is the death of that kind of structure. And, and but lo and behold, you know, a few days later, we got a call saying the film had been pulled and didn't matter what we said or did, it didn't make a button of difference. They weren't going to play that film. And the reasons emerged slowly that it was the sponsors and then they made up a bunch of other uh, lies about why it was pulled. Other filmmakers uh, said they would withdraw their films from Tribeca if it played. I mean, can you imagine? You're a filmmaker. You get your film into Tribeca. You are so pleased. You're over the moon, and and then you threaten to withdraw it if if this another film that you don't know anything about uh, is going to play. I mean, that as Dell said, that person doesn't exist. That filmmaker does not exist, and but that's the reason they came up. And then, of course, Robert De Niro regretted having done it. And three days later, went on national television saying that was a bear that was a mistake everybody should see this film make up your own mind and that really was an explosion the film then took off worldwide you know not a film not only that was censored from an independent film festival but one that was supported ultimately by a figure like Robert De Niro and and, and it caused a massive reaction many many more people saw it than would otherwise have seen it if it just played at Tribeca quietly and uh, it started a, a, a revolution worldwide in terms of resistance to vaccine mandates and awareness and medical freedom. And that's really where we've come to in a crisis time of COVID-19 right now. So after that, after that all happens, um, when Robert De Niro spoke about it, and it actually was a blessing because it created more of a, a buzz, more controversy that more people wanted to see the film. It gave them the research in the film, and it helped educate them on what vaccines do. Wasn't this a time where maybe just a few months in the future there was supposed to mandate vaccinations in Germany? Is that correct? In, in, in Italy. In, in Italy, Italy, excuse me. Italy. Yeah, and then this this caused them to protests and change that decision. Is that what happened? We changed the election. We went to Italy, and this is another very interesting story about censorship and what you know the unintended consequences of censorship are, is that we went to Italy with the film, and we were invited by Senator Bartolomeo Pepe to present the film to the Italian Senate. And it was, on the day I arrived in Italy, censored from the Italian Senate. That was the first time in history that an Italian senator had been censored from his own Senate. So if the film had played, it may have made a small column on page three of a local newspaper. But because they banned a senator from his own Senate, it was all over the news everywhere, all over the front pages and on every news channel. Suddenly, the Italians wanted to see this film that their senators weren't allowed to see. It was extraordinary. So it had exactly the same effect as the De Niro effect, if you like. And what had happened was that Italy was about to go through uh, an, an, another general election. They do that on a frequent basis. And they were going to mandate vaccination. It then overturned the government and it the party won who said they weren't going to mandate vaccination. And it seems that the election was won on that basis. Now, after that, as politicians do, they then flip-flopped again and in relationship, I believe, to a big financial input into vaccine production infrastructure outside Siena in Tuscany, then they changed their minds. So vaccination then became mandatory for Italian school children. But that led to uproar, and that's the state of play in Italy right now, is there is huge resistance to mandatory vaccination. Yeah, it's interesting because that's happening now with um, a lot of social media platforms taking videos down, banning videos. It's creating more of a buzz. People want to see these videos, so it's creating these platforms that are actually not censored, and these platforms are growing, and you have these big 
social media conglomerates like YouTube and Facebook, they're actually losing a lot of people who have been subscribing to their services for a while. So it's, it's a similar story, what happened with Italy and how it created that buzz and what's happening now, for example, like hydroxychloroquine, other things that are being taken down. People want to see these videos. They want to know what all the buzz is about. So it's interesting how it had that effect with Italy and it's having that effect right now. It is, you know, and the extraordinary thing is that it started with the anti-vaxxers and the vaccine aware and the health safety community and and then people who made supplements or provided alternative health treatments. And then it spread to the mainstream. Suddenly they were taking down the mainstream. They were taking down doctors in white coats, talking about their clinical experience with alternative approaches to treating COVID-19, like hydroxychloroquine, saying, we are saving patients. Why are you bad? And that was taken down. So that they were spreading this net of censorship wider and wider and wider in order to constrain it to protecting the set, these platforms, protecting their message that there was only one way to do this, only one way to protect the world, only one way to save everybody, and that was vaccination and only vaccination. And they put so many billions of dollars into it that it was too big to fail. And, but it, the bizarre thing was they were now censoring the mainstream. And when you start doing that, there is no limit. There's no end to what you will do to preserve that very narrow narrative, which is to protect your, your financial interests, basically. And that's, they're in a very a dire situation. And the great thing about the free market is that, as you say, other people are now coming out and saying, thank you very much. I've been designing this new platform for the last 10 years. Now you've given me the perfect opportunity to step in and deliver it to the people. And they will ultimately, by censoring themselves, put themselves out of business. That's my hope. Yeah, I believe that's going to happen as well. It's happening slowly and it's going to happen even more uh, rapidly as this happens more of a, a, on a massive scale. You know, when, when I was in uh, a, quick, a quick share, when I was in Newport Beach, California last year at uh, Dr. Pompa's conference, right? Uh, he had a conference and you were speaking there. You were the keynote speaker. I was there in attendance and I remember your presentation because it really pulled at my heartstrings. And I remember you speaking about a plan, right? You were talking about Bill Gates. You were talking about vaccinations. You were, you were speaking about uh, a plan that they had to insert a chip and uh, have this chip let uh, somebody know whether you're vaccinated or not. And essentially, with this chip, it'll say if you're vaccinated. And if you are, you could go on with your life and own a business and drive your car. And, but if you don't have this vaccination, the chip will show it. You can't travel, you, don't, you can't have a license, and essentially you cannot live your life. And I remember flying back home to Miami and, you know, just that going through my head all, all weekend long. When I come back home to Miami, I'm talking to my girlfriend about that. And I just, I couldn't imagine how that could be possible. You know, I didn't believe you. I just didn't, I didn't want to believe it. My girlfriend thought that was nuts. And then, you know, we fast forward now and we get the pandemic with the coronavirus. We have Bill Gates on TV talking about this like it's normal and it's that was just a few months ago almost a year ago that i saw you and you said that and now this is normal it's actually a reality so it's really scary how fast that has progressed and i'd love for you to just talk a little bit more about that if you can well that's right this is this has been in the works i'm sure for a very long time and in argentina now there is a program an experimental program to test the merits of such a system that you know you cannot get a driver's license or go to a football game or travel get a passport unless you are compliant with the schedule and what's bizarre what is so totally bizarre is that a man purely by virtue of his wealth is there on cnn dictating global health policy and personal vaccine choice how did that ever come to be what authority does that person have to even speak on these subjects, given the fact that he has no degree, no medical training, no scientific training, and yet he has inserted himself into this role, and by the day, by the week, by the month, grows more and more extreme in his message, such that, as you say on CNN the other day, he espoused precisely that model of if you want to live in society, my society, the society that he defined, then you will need to be compliant with my wishes. 
That is utterly bizarre. And for CNN to entertain him on their program, to say that, and for people to be frightened into believing that is the way forward, what an astonishing state this country has come to. It is. And you know, I, I hold on to faith and I know people like you and Bobby Kennedy are freedom fighters for, for, for the world, essentially. And your film, 1986, The Act, is exactly the perfect timing for what is happening in the world. And I watched the film with my girlfriend as soon as it was, rele as soon as it was released a few weeks ago. We watched it. It's a perfect film to watch with your partner because it shows a married couple who uh, got pregnant, the wife got pregnant, and they wanted to make a decision. You know, are they going to vaccinate their, their kid? And the, the husband was like, it's a no-brainer. Of course, we're going to do it. And she wanted to know a little bit about the research on vaccinations. And they dug into the research on vaccinations. And the film is well done because it shows what, it, what so many people are going through. We have so many uh, conflicting authorities out there saying vaccinations are completely safe. You know, why would they, uh, the government promote them if they're not safe? And then we actually have the research and we have gentlemen, a gentleman from the CDC who has, has changed his thought process on it. So I thought the film was well done. I'd love for you to deep dive into the film on what you hope to come from a film like this. Do you hope that this helps people get their, get educated on vaccinations and the research and the history of it? And what do you want those to do once they get this information in their hands? Well, thank you for asking. This was a, a topic that I studied for some time, and I wanted to make a film on it. But as you can imagine, it's immensely complex. It's a complex story of legislation, litigation, medical science. How do you make that into a film that is engaging, that is entertaining in the sense that it makes people want to know more rather than put them to sleep because it is so complex? and the way that I did that was to put it into the hands, as you say, of a couple, to make it relatable, to make it their journey, because their journey is our journey. They are going through the same discussions, the same debates, the same arguments, the same conflict, that families sitting around the kitchen table all, all around the world, in every country of the world are going through right now. What do we do about vaccination? There's such, it's so polarizing, there's so much information that is discordant. How do we deal with this? And so in doing that, it suddenly made it relevant to people because, as I say, their journey is our journey. They're doing on that journey with their research what we could have done or should have done or maybe did do to some extent. And we care about the outcome. We care about their outcome because their outcome is our outcome. And on the way, one using that device, which is a, okay, it's a challenge. It's a risk. For a filmmaker, what you're doing is you're combining fictional dramatic narrative with documentary filmmaking. That could look like an ice cream sundae at the end of it. It could be a real mess, but it kind of pays off and it, 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 it works. And it's really... The other thing that it's about, the thing that it's really about is the power of the individual, and in particular, the power of maternal intuition. It's going on a journey that she knows, there's a voice inside of it that says, there is something to this, and I'm going to get to the bottom of it. And of course, as you know, in many, many families, maybe 95% where there's conflict, where there's discord between the husband and wife, it's the wife who is concerned about vaccine safety, and it's the husband who says, ah, forget it, get over it, what about polio? And in this situation, that's the same. And this is a sort of distillation of the thousands of parents that I've met over the years into these, this couple. It's the same conflict, but there has to be conflict. For there to be drama, there has to be conflict. And it has to be resolved. Either he's out of the picture because he's not going to, come on board, or he, he listens to her, he trusts in her instinct, he goes on that journey, and of course he comes to a position of enlightened decision-making. And so 
it was an exciting thing to try out. But what it enables us to do is to then explore the science. You see, the voice inside her doesn't say, don't vaccinate. If that's what it said from the very beginning, people have said this is anti-science, you're just referring to the mother's intuition. What about all the, you know, the proper science? Well, in, in fact, what happens is rather than uh, the inner voice saying don't vaccinate, it says, let's study the science. Let's go on a journey and let's look at the science and let's pull it apart and let's look at the litigation. Let's look at the law behind this and let's pull the whole thing apart and see how it stands up at the end of it. So actually, it's honoring the science. It's deference to the scientific process, which so few people are prepared to do on the other side. And she goes on that journey and she comes to her own conclusions based upon her intelligent analysis and his, because of course, he joins her on that journey as well. So it isn't anti-science, quite the opposite, quite the opposite. And what she reveals through the legal discovery is something no one had ever seen before. I hadn't seen it, I didn't know about it, and it's only when interviewing Mike Hugo, the lawyer, the plaintiff's lawyer in vaccine court, that I became aware of these extraordinary documents which reveal the true evil of the pharmaceutical companies, the lengths that they were prepared to go to to save a few bucks and sacrifice a lot of children. And it was fact, and if people don't believe this, then those documents that we obtain, those discovery documents are available on the website. I put them on there for people to read themselves and what they'll find is they're even worse than is portrayed in the film. So, the, this couple were able to reveal to people these complex documents and put it in a way that's intelligible to everybody. And the great thing, the other thing about this device is when you get to a particularly complex place in the film, the audience are going, oh, I'm not quite sure I understand that. The guy, the, the man, the protagonist in the film himself says, I'm not quite sure I understand that. Let me be clear, this, 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 and this. And so you're able to go over it again and then the audience go, oh, I got it now. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. And then you move on. And you can't do that in a classical narration, the sort of voice of God narration with Pierce Brosnan telling the story. You can't do that. But you can do it with this device. And that worked rather well. That was a nice sort of add-on, a nice little bonus for yeah, it was perfect because it was so relatable. I mean, I want to have children, right? I'm going to have these discussions with my girlfriend. I, ha I just had my best friend and his wife who just had a kid a year ago, and, and they love your work, by the way, and they had this, this discussion before their, their kid was born. I want to take a quick break here to share with you about the dangers of taking fish oil. I know, shocking. I was somebody who took fish oil every single day for years, and then I came across a ton of research showing the dangers of consuming fish oil. I immediately found an amazing product called Pureform. Pureform is a plant-based omega. And the cool thing about Pureform is that it is uniquely processed with nitrogen to preserve it and make sure it does not oxidize. These essential fatty acids are cold pressed and you get the proper balance of omega-6 and omega-3 to feed your cells what it desires. We know that life begins and ends at the cell membrane. And when you have the proper fats, the building blocks for those cell membranes, all of a sudden, your fat-burning hormones can do its job. So you lose weight. All of a sudden, your cells produce energy, so you feel good. So we know that cellular health is key for performance and longevity. So I've been taking Pureform every single day. My dog takes it every single day. So does my girlfriend and my mom. This is how much I love the product. If you want to get your bottle delivered to your door, head over to purelifescience.com. Check them out. Order a bottle or two, and you'll be amazed by how you feel after taking this just after a few days. That is purelifescience.com. Use the coupon code BEN4 to apply a $4 off coupon. That is BEN4. B-E-N and the number four. International shipping is available. Okay, let's go back into this episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. You made a great point 
in the film about the uh, the Ford Pinto, which was once called the America's most dangerous vehicle, which was if you got rear-ended, it would explode. And they saved costs. So you could explain it better than I can. Can you explain the comparison between the Ford Pinto and saving costs with vaccinations? Sure. People of a, of a certain age will remember the Ford Pinto episode. But there was a situation where Ford wanted to compete with the Japanese small car market, so they made a, a car for, for two, buck, two, two grand. And um, it turned out to be very dangerous because when that car was rear-ended, a design fault meant that the rear bumper assembly punctured the gas tank, the car exploded, and many people were injured or killed. Now, Ford had an option. They could withdraw, they could, sorry, get recall these cars they could put a weld on the rear bumper assembly and they could prevent that happening. That would cost $11 per car. Uh, but when they did the analysis, they realized that that was going to cost them in total about $145 million. Whereas if they just paid for people to burn, to die or to be maimed, it would cost them far less. And therefore they made a business decision. They sacrificed children, let them burn was their conclusion. And that document, the Pinto Memo, became infamous because it found its way into court and it found its way as discovery to a jury. And once that got to a jury, the full force of an offended jury came down to bear on Thor, as it should have done. And so this is why product manufacturers faced with the same situation as they were with the Pertussis vaccine are terrified of going to court and ending up before a jury with this kind of discovery being made. And it turns out that the vaccine manufacturers did exactly the same thing. So they knew long ago that they could have made a safer pertussis vaccine. The wholesale pertussis vaccine was injuring an alarming number of children, causing brain damage, seizures, death. And they had an option. They could make the vaccine safer, but it was going to cost them more money. So they did a cost-benefit analysis, and they came to that same conclusion. If we hike the price of our vaccine by 6,000% to cover the cost of litigation for the children who are brain damaged and killed, then we can still make a profit and we'll stay in the market. And that's the decision they made. And it's a disgrace, an utter disgrace. And of course, when those documents found their way into the hands of Mike Hugo, the plaintiff's lawyer, at that stage, the vaccine manufacturers had to then blackmail Congress. Give us liability protection or we are going to be bankrupted. They didn't say to Congress, they didn't say to their senators and congressmen, we have committed a crime so heinous that we will be exposed. What they said was, we will go out of business, there'll be no more pertussis vaccine, whooping cough will come back and children will die and it'll be your fault. That's the subject. That was the way they framed the argument. And of course, politicians who are extremely susceptible to a plague, as we can see right now, just bent to the will of the industry and gave them liability protection. And of course, if those politicians had known that the science had led to a safer pertussis vaccine, they'd have said, no, how about it? That's the free market. Go and make it even safer still. So they didn't tell Congress that they had a safer vaccine. They kept that off the market. They kept that away from children. They kept that knowledge a secret. And they lied to the politicians saying, we've made this vaccine as safe as we possibly can. And so if you think that the pharmaceutical industry in the context of regular pharmaceutical drugs are bad, then in the setting of vaccines, they're 10 times worse. That's just pure evil. It's a, an example there, a powerful example of how profit over people, profits over people, and it's just, it's, it's pure evil. The film is called 1986 because that's when what you just said, uh, that act is what they essentially blackmailed the government and uh, Ronald Reagan signed the act in 1986. And that's why you're calling the film 1986, the act, correct? Correct. 
and the where you could go and download it and watch the film is over at 1986theact.com. The number is 1986theact.com. We'll put a link down below in the notes podcast, the YouTube podcast. I also want to get into some stats that I wrote down in my notes when Bobby Kennedy came on a call with Dr. Pompa and myself and the docs that I work with. And uh, he, he shared that when he was younger, I don't know what age, but he said when he was younger, the vaccine industry was $187 million per year industry. And then he shared, you fast forward it to today, and it's a $50 billion plus per year industry. So you gave an example right now how they're all about profits, all about, they don't care about people, they care about their profits. So where do you expect this to go in the next three to five years with what's happening with the coronavirus, what's happening with what we talked about, Bill Gates, and all the money that these these pharmaceutical companies have. Uh, where do you expect this to go in the next three to five years? Well, I think that the landscape has altered dramatically in the face of, of COVID-19. And the narrative for forcing vaccination on everybody in the world, mandatory vaccination, is quite apparent quite evident, and you see Bill Gates shamelessly going on television talking about his plans for mandatory vaccination for everybody in the world. And this will be with vaccines that are being rushed to market. And you'll remember in the 1976 fake swine flu epidemic that never was, then rushing a vaccine to market meant that the vaccine industry got liability protection, and it was a catastrophe for the people. The vaccine was of no benefit whatsoever and paralyzed and killed many. And that's the situation we face again. Now, what we, interestingly, we are in a political scenario where all of the mandatory vaccination bills across the country, state by state by state, taking choice away from parents for their children have come from the Democrats. The Democrats are in bed with the pharmaceutical companies. Now, why this should be, I don't know. And I'm an, and I'm, I'm an observer on American politics as I'm someone who's come here from England. And it's alarming to me that the, the Democrats should be uh, take that position. And they've stated quite clearly that they're in favor of a, a federal mandate for vaccination, removing liability protection, sorry, removing uh, exemptions, vaccine exemptions across the board. And this seems to be reinforced in the situation, the setting for a COVID-19 vaccine by the Democratic press, the liberal press, the supporters of the Democratic Party. And Again, it's a quirk. It's an interesting observation that the protection of personal freedoms of vaccine choice comes from the Republicans. But I can assure you, that watching the situation evolve, all, all else aside, all other political affiliations, past affiliations, beliefs, you know, foreign policy preferences, all of that aside. This is going to be decided, the future of mankind may come down to the next election, because if we are faced with mandatory COVID vaccine, and it turns out after, say, a few months or a year to be catastrophically dangerous because it produces autoimmune disease or some other problem that is incurable, and once these vaccines are put in, you can't take them out again, you can't switch them off, then this is going to be a disaster for mankind. And even those people who have pushed vaccine very hard historically, like Paul Offit and Dr. Hotez from Houston, are backing off this one. They're backing off and saying this rush to market is wrong. And they know that if it goes wrong for this vaccine, it will compromise public confidence in vaccine policymakers across the board for all vaccines, and it will be gone for all time. So even the most ardent fans of vaccination are backing off on this one, but not Bill Gates, not the CDC, not the Health and Human Services. They're pushing ahead just as fast as they can. So whatever else happens, if they are going to push this vaccine rapidly to be available as soon as possible, then there can be no mandate. You cannot mandate that risk to everybody. You cannot take away choice. You should never take away choice. There should never, ever be any mandated medical procedure. 
and but this is particularly the case right now and people need to wake up to this because how you see this and how you vote and how you respond will make a dramatic difference to the future of mankind you know i have to share that i've never voted in my life being born and raised in america that's the truth. I've never voted a day in my life. And this is actually the first time in my life that I'm actually going to go and to the polls. I'm going to vote because it is such an important election. You know, this conversation is not a political conversation. I am far from political, but it, the facts are the facts. What you just shared is very accurate. And, you know, I have some more stats here, by the way, that Bobby Kennedy shared. He said 1% of vaccine injured children, only 1% of vaccine injured children or so are reported. And out of those 1%, 4 billion has been paid out by the courts. He said you should multiply that by 100 to be more accurate. And then he shared about uh, Dr. Brian Hooker, vaxxed versus unvaxxed study. Do you know, can you share about that? Absolutely. Now, the key study that will determine the merits of vaccination, the safety of vaccination, would be to take comparison populations, one who have been fully vaccinated according to the schedule and those who receive no vaccines at all. And to look at the long-term health outcomes in those two groups. That is done for every medical product, every medical device, every drug, every pharmaceutical drug. And that has never been done for vaccines. In fact, the CDC have refused to do that, even though they've been awarded the funding to do it, because they're terrified of what the result might be. And the reason is very clear when it's actually done. And this was done by Professor Brian Hooker, who compared health outcomes in vaccinated, unvaccinated children and showed quite clearly, quite clearly that for every health outcome looked at, whether it was allergies, whether it was asthma, whether it was gastrointestinal issues, whether it was developmental delays, that there was a significantly worse outcome in those who've been vaccinated compared to those unvaccinated. This is why they did not want to do the study because they knew that was going to be the likely outcome. And that will really pull the rug out from under the vaccine program. And this is entirely their own fault. It's, a, it's an issue of their creation. And now that they've destroyed the confidence of the public in their ability to make sensible policies, we are faced with the consequences. And they don't want to talk about this, particularly in the face of COVID-19, where confidence in the policymakers is going to be all important. But it's out there, and it's out there in the film, and it's out there, and people are learning day by day by day. This knowledge is growing, and that's the situation that they face, that never has there been such an awareness, and never has there been such a resistance to the experts, the opinion of the experts. And Again, they don't have the anti-vaxxers. They, they, they don't have those who are educating themselves. They don't have the couple in the film, for example, to blame. They have only themselves to blame. And the film characterizes why. And that is the lies, the cover-up, the deception throughout the history of vaccination from the very beginning to right where we are now. So you've been working on this film, 1986, The Act, for a few years. Uh, when I first heard about it, it was back about a year ago in, in California at that conference. You, I imagine you didn't <laughs> suspect that the coronavirus was going to hit and we're going to have this massive lockdown. So I'd love to know, when, when this first started to happen back in, in March of this year, what, were your, what was your initial thoughts and feelings? And then fast forward to today, what are your thoughts and feelings? Was it a good thing? Was it a bad thing versus when it first happened? Well, it's interesting. We finished filming our actors in the fall of 2019. And at that stage, no one had heard of COVID-19 at all. Maybe a few Chinese had been aware that some odd coronavirus was circulating. But other than that, no one knew anything about it. There was a practical problem for us. Trying to finish a film during lockdown was, as you might imagine, a nightmare. So from that perspective, it was a pain in the ass. However, as it evolved, it became self-evident. The rhetoric was the same. Rush to market. Exactly the same words that are used in the film in respect of the swine flu vaccine in 1976. 
we must have indemnity. Bill Gates waving his arms in the air on television and talking about the need for liability protection for the industry um, because of the inevitable damage that was going to be done. So over time, these two things converge. The relevance of the film, the relevance of the 1986 Act, and the relevance of COVID-19. All of these things converge to this point where we find ourselves now, where if we want to understand where we're going, all we have to do is watch this film, and it's like looking in through the looking glass into the history of this. Here we go again. This has happened before. This is how it happened before, and this is where we know, based upon the history, we are going in the future. So it's extraordinary. It's almost like it's difficult to imagine that the universe hasn't conspired to bring these events together at this time to try and offset the madness that I see on mainstream news and in the mainstream media about this. everything from the mortality rates to the test rates to the validity of the test. And, and you see it here in Florida as, as well. You know, a, a poor fellow died on a, in a motorbike accident, a motorcycle accident the other day and was labeled as a COVID-19 death. And this is just an example of the kind of distortion that's going on. And we see it time and time again, whether it's in testing or mortality. And we are being, that same marketing strategy of fear is being used, terrifying the people into the mask wearing, into the social isolation, into the distancing, into the fear of our fellow man, and to the dependence on a vaccine. And it's all fake. It's all it's not that there isn't a virus, and it's not that that virus doesn't have a mortality rate, but it's when the authorities and the media conspire together to distort the information in order specifically to bend people to their will. That's when it becomes very, very alarming. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, viruses have been around <laughs> since humans have existed, and my microbiome is my mask. My healthy way of living is my protection. So being that I am responsible with my health, I'm doing the most responsible thing. Not putting a mask on my face, that doesn't make me responsible. It's taking care of my health, educating others on how to take care of their health. That is being responsible. So you're absolutely right. There's a lot of fear mongering. If you turn on the news, uh, CNN, constant negative news, I call it, all news channels, it's going to put people in this sympathetic, fight or flight state, which we know weakens the immune system. They can't breathe properly. We know weakens the immune system. And they want to see that rate go a little bit higher because, correct me if I'm wrong, is the only way to mandate a vaccination is if they could prove that we have a deadly disease and in order to save mankind, we could bypass the constitution to save mankind. Is that the only way you could actually uh, bypass the constitution? I don't know. I, I'm not a. I don't know the constitution as well as I should. But I clearly there is an extraordinary violation of personal liberties, and it comes about because one of the 1986 Act, but that was followed by the Prep Act, and the Prep Act is even more draconian in as much that it allows the head of the director of health and human services to make a decision across the board that there will be for, in response, whatever medical or vaccine-related responses are necessary to contain a, an outbreak such as COVID-19, then there can be no liability whatsoever to the manufacturers, those administering, those responsible for the decision-making process. There is no liability. So if people are hurt, then they're on their own there will be some quasi-compensation program, but it will be completely inaccessible because you will have to prove, based upon a very high level of scientific certainty, that that vaccine injured you. How can parents do that? Because there's no science. The science has been rushed. It's been foreshortened in order to get that, that vaccine to market, and therefore there's no science on which to base a claim that the vaccine did the harm. So 
the people are in a lose-lose situation. And um, where there is a risk, there has to be choice. No question, of course. And there is most certainly a risk in this circumstance. So the question is this, those listening and watching right now, well, first of all, go watch the film so you can get educated. Go look at the links, the resources, all the studies mentioned. You could all find it, 1986, the act. So educate yourself, do some critical thinking. And then now what? What, what can we, besides going and voting this, this November, what else can we do? And could you share what just happened this weekend in Germany? Is that something that we want to do here in America? Well, I think uh, there's a very interesting interview with David Icke on Brian Rose's show, where he talks about the pyramidal structure of society, the hierarchical structure, where we put a very few people at the top, really determining the fate of everybody else. And it only takes a bit of resistance on the part of those at the bottom to make the whole thing fall apart. And I think that we need to do that. And what was wonderful in Germany was a march of what, 1.3 million people demanding health freedom, resisting the lockdown narrative, resisting the coronavirus vaccine narrative, demanding natural immunity. Good Lord, natural immunity. Can you imagine that? Something that has kept us alive for many hundreds of thousands of years. And yet it's deemed to be conspiracy theory or we just made it up. Natural immunity is absolutely extraordinary. And this is what the Germans are demanding. And this is what we need to demand here in America as well. And it, it is, it, it's somewhat sad that Americans don't seem quite as motivated to protest as their European counterparts. But protest makes a huge difference. And, and we need to protest. We need to stand up for our rights. Because once they've gone, we won't get them back in a very, very long time if at all. So. We need to take personal responsibility for our own health, take measures to strengthen our own immune systems. We need to advocate for alternatives to vaccination, including the things that President Trump has advocated for and those doctors on television, on, on, the, on the, you know, their press conference on the Supreme Court steps advocated for the other day, based upon clinical experience, and that is the option of hydroxychloroquine, et cetera. And we need to demand personal choice. We need to protect our health freedoms above all else. And if that means forsaking historical political affiliations and voting in favor of yourself and your grandchildren, because that's what we're voting for. You're not voting for a political party. You're voting for your children, your grandchildren. And that's the way you've got to see this. And if voting for them, if your perception of that is preservation of individual autonomy, what goes into your body, what goes into your children's body, what choices you have to make in your own personal health freedom, then that's the choice you need to make. So there is a lot we can do, but we don't have a lot of time to do it. So we really need to make up our minds what our priorities are. We can continue in this frightened way, like sheep, locked down, terrified, frightened of our fellow man, frightened of the man next door, frightened of everything, or we can actually resist, we can stand up and say, no, actually, um, I'm healthy, my immune system is good. Natural herd immunity is a very, very plausible option for this. It seems to have worked well in Sweden, and we need to protect those people who are at risk. We need to protect the elderly. We need to protect those whose health is impaired, while the rest of us get natural herd immunity and therefore are not capable of communicating the disease beyond that to others. There is an alternative way of doing this, and it does not involve mass experimental vaccination. Well said. I have two last questions for you. Why is it that America is the last domino here, that if we lose the rights in America, it's a worldwide vaccination. Are there any countries like Sweden that might say, no, we're not going to force vaccinations to our people? Or why does it seem, at least to me, that once America goes, the whole world goes? But what happened with the 1986 Act is that one of the effects of that Act was to make the pharmaceutical companies phenomenally powerful. And the majority of those companies making vaccines are headquartered or uh, originated in, in the United States of America. So once they became extraordinarily wealthy, they became extraordinarily powerful, they could buy governments worldwide, they could buy policy worldwide, they could buy 
media worldwide. They could buy doctors worldwide, and that's what they've done. And so that what started in America, bad policy about unsafe vaccines spread to the rest of the world. And you can see a situation where, yes, isolated countries, first world countries like Sweden will say, no, we're not going to have mandatory vaccination. It's actually illegal against, it's against our, our constitution, whatever they have as an equivalent of the constitution. But the rest of the world will say, okay, go ahead, but we're not going to trade with you. You can't travel out of Sweden into our countries. And they're going to isolate them from civil society, global infrastructure. And that's what they will do until they are coerced into complying with the pharmaceutical industry market. And that is the way they operate. That is the way they do it. And it is, um, they do it at a personal level. They do it at a national and a global level. And that's what we will see. So it's going to be an interesting time. But that, I think, in is really the heart of this darkness has come from the removal of the liability from the industry because when there was no imperative for safety, we can't get sued. We have a mandatory market in the US, all we can make is a profit, as Bobby Kennedy illustrated. Those profits became massive and they became very powerful. So last question is this. Two to three years from now, if things go the way we want it to go, which I, I always hold on to faith over fear, and I know you do too, what does the world look like two to three years from right now? If it goes the way we want it to go, then it looks much better. We, we have a COVID vaccine or a few successful COVID vaccines, whatever success means, but it is your choice. It is entirely your choice as to whether you receive that vaccine or not. And likewise, you can choose not to have it. This isn't, as you pointed out at the beginning, it's not an anti-vaccine argument. It's pro-choice. I'm not anti-anything. I'm pro-choice. I'm pro-science. I'm pro-bodily autonomy. I'm pro-people taking responsibility for their own health. And so, by all means, these vaccines are available. And if you believe them to be safe and effective, then after informed choice, you can go ahead and make a decision on behalf of you and your family. But conversely, if you decide that they are not what you want, they're not for you, they're not safe in your opinion, then you can decline them without any adverse consequence to you in terms of being able to function in society. That's what we need to support, is that freedom, that personal autonomy. So that's where I believe we will get to. Uh, where we should get to if we make the right choices. If we make the wrong choices, well, then it's going to be, going to be very difficult. I want to acknowledge you, Andy, for taking so many arrows, <laughs> so many arrows that a lot of people don't even understand. Uh, your work has been tremendous for our freedom, for my future kids, my future kids' kids, and those in the world owe you a, a lot of gratitude and I'm just grateful for you. Thank you for, for fighting this good fight for us. Where can the audience go besides 1986 The Act to go watch the film, do it today, watch it with your husband, your wife, your friends, share it. Where else can they go if they want to maybe donate or they just want to learn more about the cause? Go to the, the same website, go to 1986 The Act. There's a lot of information on there. There are, in fact, four films, the three at the moment. There is Vax, there's Vax 2, which was... Brian Burroughs' film, that's on there as well, which really gives the whole spectrum of what's happened, certainly in terms of bringing this to public attention through filmmaking from, from our perspective. And um, there's a lot of other information on there as well. There's a weekly podcast, there's a weekly Q&A. I was just on with Del Bigtree for a weekly Q&A just now. So um, there's a lot of information out there. Please, people, get informed because... You know, now is a, it's at such a critical time, and it may not come again in this way. So, uh, yes, please watch the film, because that is the beginning of the debate, the beginning of the discussion, and get your friends to watch it, and get your family to watch it. And when you approach them to watch it, don't say, there you are, I told you so. Say, this movie raises a number of very interesting questions, and I'd value your opinion on it. 
perhaps you'd sit down and watch it and you know we can have a discussion don't beat people over the head with them get them to watch it because it's amazing how once they've seen it things can change dramatically yeah great advice right there so go watch the film share the film share it the right way and uh thank you again andy for coming on the podcast and just for the work that you're doing in this world we are so grateful for you and I, I'm, i'm just so grateful for this conversation a conversation like this literally our future depends on it so thank you so much for what you do my pleasure thanks so much Well, all right, Keto Camper, I told you this was going to be an impactful episode. It gave me goosebumps and chills. And please share this episode right now. Copy and paste the link and text it to everybody you know. Go watch the film 1986 The Act over at 1986theact.com. There's a link in the notes of this podcast. And explain it. If you're going to share the film with somebody, explain it and share it in the way that Dr. Wakefield suggested. You know, I'm open to your opinion on this and your thoughts. Could you watch this film and just let me know what you think? So come at it from that place and not a place of I'm right, you're wrong, you got to watch this. Oh my gosh. No, we want to make sure somebody watches the entire film, does the research. He has all the research on his website and then comes to a critical thinking conclusion to decide whether or not you want to be vaccinated. Again, this is not a pro-vax versus anti-vax message. This is a pro freedom message. Don't you believe, don't you think we should have the freedom to choose? I do. I do. So our future, our kids' future really depends on this. So please go watch his brand new film and share this with everybody you know. I want to thank you so much for tuning into the entire episode. I applaud you. I acknowledge you. Thank you for being a free thinker. Thank you for being a freedom fighter. And thank you for being a part of this amazing world that we live in. I appreciate you so much. And you'll hear me on the next episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.